This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All-Hit Radio! Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back, uh, everyone, for part two of this very special two-hour edition of The X-Zone. Our two special guests, Stanton Friedman, www.stantonfriedman.com, and Kathleen Marden, www.kathleen-marden.com. Uh, we're talking about, oh, let me see, we've talked about the Betty and uh, Barney Hill case, we've talked about uh, Dr. Donald Menzel, we've talked about... Edward Condon. We've talked about the $100 check that Stanton uh, received from Philip. Thousand. I'm sorry, a thousand. <laughs> actually, actually, back. You know, actually, that that wasn't a bad coup for you. Did you cash it? Of course, I did. Why didn't you hold it? At least it would have been worth what? Maybe what? Two thousand Canadian by now. Oh yeah. Well, I <laughs> I did Xerox it, and so it's appeared in books and stuff. Oh, well, that's good. And my lectures, I show it on the screen. I know, I saw it, yeah, that's right. And so that impresses people. I always get a good laugh. (laughs) Kathleen, it's always a pleasure speaking to you. And Stanton, uh, you know, you you are one of the heroes of the ufology uh, crowd. And uh, like I said, you're a very fine gentleman, and it's always a great pleasure talking to you. But Kathleen, why do you think that the majority of mainstream scientists today think of UFOs as a taboo subject? Like, what are they hiding, if anything? I think that there was a very carefully orchestrated plan to make this topic of UFOs uh, a taboo topic. And that uh, uh, I have found evidence that a number of uh, individuals who were mainstream scientists Mm -hmm. and Philip Glass... (laughs) who I couldn't say was a scientist. He, he had a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering, but he was one of the editors at Aviation Week in Space Technology magazine. Um, they uh, orchestrated a plan to uh, encourage scientists not to speak on the topic of UFOs. And uh, they want, even had a petition where they wanted scientists to to sign this petition, agreeing not to entertain anything with regard to that topic. And that was uh, back in 1969, 1970. It was right after uh, Edward Condon uh, released his statement mm-hmm. uh, to, uh, to the public about the uh, so-called scientific study for UFOs. And they uh, were working very diligently to make sure that no funding was given to scientists uh, for that purpose. And, uh, you know, way back in 1968, Philip Klass had set Dr. James McDonald up to take a fall when he uh, gave Jack Anderson from the Washington Post incorrect information 
stating that McDonald, uh, who was actually using Office of Naval Research funding to do a cloud study in Australia, uh, was actually over there doing UFO research. Now, he was doing UFO research during his spare time when he was not working on cloud studies. But Jack Anderson published uh, those allegations against James McDonald based upon this false information given to him by Philip Klass. Once it was published in the Washington Post in 1968, Philip Klass took that article and wrote a letter to the Office of Naval Research stating that uh, the shocking misuse of Navy research funds citing, cited in the article uh, was not only true but condoned by the Office of Naval Research contract monitor who is responsible for protecting Navy taxpayer interests. And Philip Klass uh, stated that if they gave any more funding to James McDonald, he was going to create very large problems for them in Washington. And so, even though James McDonald was exonerated from wrongdoing after an investigation of what he was actually doing, Philip Class won in the long run because he did not receive another penny from the Office of Naval Research. It was, that is the kind of thing that was happening and it was the result of this orchestrated plan mm -hmm. to destroy scientific interest and to uh, make UFOs a taboo subject. We have to take a commercial break. Please stand by. Exonation. Nation, Kathleen Martin and Stanton T. Friedman, and I will return on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Hello, I'm Pete Marsh. With my daughter Justina, we will be presenting the new radio show, Too Good to Be True. If something seems too good to be true, it usually is. But with the help of Justina's amazing gifts, we're going to gain insight into questions that don't yet have complete answers. Have you wondered who built Stonehenge and for what reason? 
wire crop circles found in the same region as Stonehenge and elsewhere? Are crop circles a hoax or are they created with technologies that we have little knowledge of? Who built the pyramids in Egypt and also in other countries? How and why were they built? Was the Titanic switched with the Britannic as part of a gigantic insurance fraud or for more insidious reasons? What caused the Tunguska event when trees were flattened over an 800 square mile area in Siberia? Will the new insights be too good to be true? Well, that will depend on what you are prepared to believe. Please join us as we start on this journey together. For more information on Too Good To Be True, visit www.xzbn.net. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. Stanton D. Friedman and Kathleen Martin are special guests. Uh, for more information about Stanton, his website is stantonfriedman.com. And for the lovely Kathleen Martin, www-kathleen-martin.com. Kathleen, is it possible that this this misinformation, this this um, this diversion, or however we want to look at it, was actually done in a matter of national security because the powers to be did not want the scientific community opening up a a pandora's box of of who knows what well it certainly is possible that it was a matter of national security and that's the reason that uh, these individuals uh, were probably in my opinion hired or contracted in some way to mm-hmm. work toward this goal um and, and when I looked into the backgrounds of these individuals, I found that all of them had been uh, under investigation for un-American activities or had their security clearances pulled. Uh, in the case of Philip Klass, he was under investigation twice for publishing classified information. And the only reason that he was not prosecuted for that is because they could not declassify the information in order to prosecute him. He was also suspected for un-American activities. He was being followed by the FBI. He uh, had uh, a relationship with a a Russian man from the Russian uh, embassy and uh, was seen in his presence, went to parties at the, the Russian embassy. The FBI actually broke into Class's apartment and searched his apartment for radio equipment. They uh, suspected him of being a spy. And, uh, you know, all of this going (laughs) against him could have been used to coerce him into working on their side uh, to disinform the public about UFOs. That's only my suspicion. I have no solid evidence but I followed the the trail, and that's where it led. Stanton, I understand oh. you actually uh, talked to U.S. United States Air Force General Bolander. What did you ask him, and what were his answers? Well, I told him that I had seen his uh, his letter that resulted in the closure of Project Blue Book, mm-hmm. and I asked him if uh, it, it, I told him it sounded to me like you're saying there were two separate channels of communication, one for the cases that could affect national security and the other for run-of-the-mill stuff. And he agreed. And that's why I bring in uh, MJ-12 into the picture. The the good stuff had to go somewhere. Yeah. 
and I was very impressed with Volinder. And as well, look, it, it doesn't take much imagination to say that the guy you put in charge of engineering for the lunar excursion module has to be somebody who's very well thought of. You pick your best people, right? Yeah. I mean, you know how sensitive it was that if we fouled up there on the moon, holy cow, the ramifications were extraordinary. So uh, I was very impressed with Bolander, and he he played it straight to me. Uh, he agreed that there were two separate communication channels. Now, look, I, I should add here now. Because I worked under security, I know much for 14 years, I know much better than to ask questions for which the answer is going to be classified and cannot therefore be told me. You respect people uh, who have a clearance mm -hmm. and who have their own need to know and so forth. And a, a good example of that, one of the astronauts uh, was somebody that I had met when we were both working on radiation shielding for nuclear systems. and. I saw him a few years later and said, I, gee, I'd heard a lot about uh, sightings by astronauts. And the way he answered clearly told me that I was treading in, in ground that I wasn't going to get an answer, and I certainly wasn't going to push him. Well, he didn't think there was anything that hadn't been explained and so forth. And you learn, you remember the brotherhood, so to speak. That's an awkward way of putting it, but you know what I mean. Sure I do, yeah. You respect this, and so you don't push people like that. Uh, and so, you know, there are undoubtedly many people. Well, it, you also worry about things like class. Uh, one of the things he did was send a letter to the Canadian authorities about me uh, attacking me uh, when I was going to be moving to Canada. Uh he, he said some very nasty things in the letter. Richard oh. Dolan found it uh, in the files. Uh, he thought I knew about it, and I didn't know about it. But what business does class have trying to tell the, the Canadian authorities that uh, somebody is coming who's going to say bad things or good things, depending on how you look at it, about UFOs? Uh, you know, what was he? He was subverting something or other, I guess. Uh, across the boundary. I mean, at least I'm a dual citizen. I can talk to both governments. <laughs> well, you know, we're very proud to have you here in Canada, Stan. Well, I'm very proud oh, to be here. Gosh. I, you know, I, I surprised somebody the other day was asking, you know, how'd you wind up uh, in Fredericton? And I told them and stuff. And I said, you know, we moved uh, 37 years ago, and I've never been sorry that we moved from California to Fredericton. <laughs> you haven't? I said, no. It's a great place to raise a family, great yeah. place to live. I mean, California is okay. Don't you miss California, he said. I said, yeah, the weather was great, but I it, it didn't take me long to get used to uh, the traffic, which was horrible, and uh, a few other things that mm -hmm. were difficulties. But uh, I learned to live. And the, the lovely things, you know, the, it is a great place to visit. Uh, but uh, I'm not sorry at all for the move because there are other factors in life. Yeah. Uh, we never see smog here, for example. That is true. That is true. Kathleen, why do you think that aliens want to come here? And why would the government want to keep it a secret? Well, I would think that they would come here for uh, exploratory reasons to to begin with. And once they arrived, they would uh, realize that there was a wealth of information here, many, many things to study. And uh, they might be very interested in our warlike society. They might be interested in attempting to determine w what makes us tick. And, and why uh, we engage in tribal warfare on such a very large scale, even though we are supposedly an intelligent species. So uh, I think that that is uh, a large part of it. Uh, also, uh, if they had any sense of responsibility uh, toward this planet, and if they are using this planet... They would, I would think, would want to take steps to prevent us from
from destroying this planet. And I have heard over and over again from experiencers uh, the concern by these non-human entities about our use of nuclear weapons for uh, warfare and uh, that they are concerned that we could destroy our planet and they are taking steps to prevent that. And, you know, I think that the government would cover all of that up because, first of all, uh, what is to say that our visitors would side with one nation over another nation in war or give one nation uh, the, the military mm-hmm. weapons to win but not another nation? I think that we have to think about uh, our military-industrial complex and the profits that we make from war. And if the government were to announce that some greater power was here uh, that might end our wars, uh, there would be much to lose in terms of profits. But what would Uh, happen if the aliens or the extraterrestrials were actually the forefathers of our entire world, and if they were to return, or maybe they monitor their their children, maybe the the gods of the past are the extraterrestrials of today, and they've already been here. They have been part of our culture, the Nephilim, the Greek gods of the pantheon, and so on and so forth. Is it possible? Well, is it is it possible that by saying yes, they were that? religion as we know it today would cease to exist, and since society of one sort or another is based on a religious philosophical belief that it would turn this planet into total chaos? That is certainly a possibility. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was I was going to mention the impact on religious yeah. groups, because if you go back as far as 1947 to Kenneth Arnold's sighting, Uh, When it was publicized in the media, uh, there were religious groups who were stating that this signaled the end of time, that the the end of the earth as we know it. And uh, and the repercussions from that were so great, possibly, that uh, General Roger Ramey decided to launch a cover-up and to state that Kenneth Arnold's sightings of the the flying disks were nothing more than weather phenomena. There's definitely a concern over religion as well. Stan, you were going to say something. Well, just that if if you step back a little bit, you have to say that uh, aliens looking at us I mean, let, let's assume they check us out every once in a while and the, the, the guys still don't have nuclear weapons. We don't need to worry about them. They're stuck there. But the, the, the thing that changes everything, and I think one of the reasons they're coming here is to quarantine us because I don't think the Galactic Federation Intelligence Agency, whatever you want to call them, would want us out there. I mean, let's, let's look at the step. In 1944, a big bomb was a 10-ton blockbuster. Wow, it took a big, big 29 and carried the 10 tons of dynamite. That's a lot of destructive power. Okay, the next year, 45, our first atomic bomb, 20,000 tons of dynamite, hmm. which is a big jump up. 1952, our first H-bomb, 10 million tons of TN. And the Russians exploded the Tsar Bomba, <laughs> fancy name, 57 million tons of TNT energy release equivalent in one stinking bomb. And what, what I'm saying is that nuclear weapons uh, are a horrible thought for anybody out there that we might use them. But remember that since the war, we have exploded two thousand nuclear weapons and nuclear energy can be used for propulsion so it means not only that the idiots on earth explode bombs Mm -hmm. only two on people thank goodness because some people had more sense but also they should be able to bother us pretty quickly 
I worked on a study, believe it or not, in 1962 of fusion propulsion for deep space travel. And the answer was very simple. Uh, if you got the dough, you can go, to put it crudely. <laughs> Speaking about go, we have to take our break. Please stand by for the news at the bottom of the hour. Exxon Nation, Stanton T. Friedman, Kathleen Martin, our guests this hour for a very special two-hour presentation of the Exxon. And we'll be back on the other side of the news. Don't go away. are our personal gateways into infinite wisdom. Don't miss Shamanic Counselor and Indigenously Trained Dream Decoder Sandra Corcoran's inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles Sandra's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers and her initiations throughout the Americas and across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt. Sandy's knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth influenced her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private tarot readings, international journeys, a meditative CD, as well as her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate this earthwalk, creating a deeper connection to yourself and all that is. Find this and more at Sandy's website, StarwalkerVisions.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology Science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Hello, I'm Justina Marsh, and with my dad, Pete, we are going to present a new show called Too Good to Be True. Together, we are aiming to discover more truths about this world and beyond. Do you have unanswered questions about the world? Do you ever wonder about aliens, conspiracy theories, or the universe? There are many shows discussing subjects such as pyramids or UFOs, but we want to relay this information based on our own research, including from spiritual means. Hopefully, listeners will be helped with their own beliefs and will appreciate the psychic insights that add to the previous research and information. We both look forward to sharing this insight and beginning this journey with our listeners. Visit xzbn.net for more information about when to listen. Sandra T. Friedman and Kathleen Martin are very special guests this hour, Exonation. 
And, um, you know, we were talking about bombs and the question that I asked Kathleen was, you know, uh, why do you think that the aliens would want to come here and why would the government want to keep it secret? In, in that sta- same vein of, of questioning, why do you think that the Disclosure Project hasn't had as much success as people would think it would have with all the different witnesses that are coming forth, the, the press conferences and the work that uh, Steve Bassett is doing? I think, uh, I don't know who you were asking that question. To either one of you. <laughs> Go ahead, Stan. Let me have a try at that. Just that uh, it seems to me that they haven't appreciated the fact that there is a national security aspect, and they haven't considered the implications of what happens if uh, our planet is based on countries, nationalism, if you will. Right. Any uh, statement that, in effect, says, hey, we're all Earthlings and we got a bunch of non-Earthlings out there uh, – is somebody's going to lose power. There's nobody who speaks for the planet. We don't want anybody else to speak for the planet. And you say, well, hold an election. Uh, 1.3 billion Chinese and over 1 billion people in India. The United States isn't going to agree to hold an election for who should the world leader be and who can speak for the planet and so forth. So uh, I think it is understandable that people in power don't want to give up power. But you know, the other side of that coin, when mm-hmm. I say in power, there's a simple number that tells you a lot about us. 50 million people, earthlings, killed in World War II. 1,700 cities destroyed. Uh, I think somebody would want to quarantine us. And I think the government doesn't want to do anything. Then People in power don't want to give up any power. Uh which I find distressing as an earthling, but that seems to be the way things are. Well, uh, if that is the case and, and nobody is taking the national security aspect into effect, would this be a reason for the, the government or the, the black ops to, to continue their, their, um, their misinformation campaign? It seems as if they've already works. accomplished if it works, why not keep it up? You know, it, it's a sad commentary to stand back and look at the how much effort goes into war mm-hmm. on this planet and how little in the really helping the people who need it. Uh, you know, I wonder how many grad students from elsewhere come here <laughs> to check out the idiots on planet Earth. Uh, there's something else, too, and this surprises some people I have found. Uh, the Earth happens to be the densest planet in the solar system. What do you mean, the people? No, I mean <laughs> a cubic foot of Earth. A cubic foot of Earth weighs more than a cubic foot of any of the other planets in the solar system, and that means there are more heavy metals here. Heavy metals are very rare: iridium, osmium, platinum, gold, uranium. These are much denser than lead, and so it may be that uh, this is a place that they've been mining the goodies from. You know, uranium 100 years ago was used as a yellow coloring agent on dinnerware. That's illegal now, you understand, <laughs> because it's radioactive. Right. But, uh, so we don't know. The Navy, the nuclear Navy, is very dependent on zirconium. Now, I'm sure most people have never heard of zirconium, or if they have, <laughs> what, what good does it do? But the in the Navy nuclear... Uh, submarines and aircraft carriers and stuff, uh, zirconium is a key element in terms of construction material because it has the right nuclear properties as well as good high-temperature properties. And, you know, we I, I'm not a salesman for the nuclear industry, believe me, but uh, I have to point out that uh, wouldn't it be nice when you realize that an aircraft carrier, a nuclear-powered aircraft carrier, can operate for 18 years without refueling. Uh, that's an interesting change of uh, how th- you do things if you've got that under your command. You know, you don't even worry about getting up to a tanker to refuel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it changes everything. And we don't brag about it, but 
uh, if you're going to the stars, wouldn't it be nice to have something that's very powerful and not very heavy and uh, can get you there in a hurry? So that, that's why I think aliens, in, in good sense, would worry about Earthlings because of our behavior, that we could take our brand of friendship, everybody else calls it hostility, mm-hmm. out there. Uh, you know, I, I, what I'm saying is we haven't been around very long. Uh, organized society on Earth, right? call it thousands of years, uh, you know, make it 10,000, 50,000, I don't care. It's a small fraction of the existence time for the universe, for the galaxy, for mm-hmm. the neighborhood. Right. Uh, it would seem to me that more advanced civilizations learned long ago, you got to learn to get along with other people or you're wasting your energy on warfare. Uh and we certainly haven't learned that lesson, have we? Nope. You know, uh, and the new administration is, uh, they want to spend money on more on uh, military stuff, don't they? At least sometime in the last few days I've heard that. Uh, cancel the programs that help kids and uh, poor people. Yeah. But what, what was that deal with Saudi Arabia? $110 billion. Uh yeah, that's not feeding many kids. <laughs> nope. You know, no, so, it's that state of affairs. I, I think it, I, maybe they're all graduate students studying, you know, maybe extraterrestrial university says, hey, we got a lot of programs we can do on Earth, boy. Look at all the languages. Look at how they behave. You know, look at the mess they've made of this, that, and the other place. Uh, who knows? And they continue to make a mess of. Kathleen, can you give us a brief history beginning, uh, you know, with the beginning of the U.S. interest in UFOs? Yes, absolutely. Um, One of the first major studies that was done was done by the Army Air Force, Air Air Material Command, Mm -hmm. and the results was published in September of 1947. It was done by the chiefs of engineering, several laboratories. It was a well-done study in other words. And the conclusion was concerning flying discs, that they're real and not visionary or fictitious. They approximate the size of man-made aircraft, extreme rates of climb and maneuverability, metallic or light reflecting, circular, flat on the bottom, domed on the top. They suspected that these were extraterrestrial, but they weren't completely positive at that point. Uh, So it took a little while. They did another study, and that was done under Project Sign. And in that that case, they evaluated 243 cases that could affect national security. And in the end, they favored an extraterrestrial hypothesis. Well, that ended up being covered up when all of the uh, but two of the officers were uh, assigned other uh, work to do, taken off that, and they had two lower-ranking officers who simply went through and uh, gave prosaic explanations for everything. If they couldn't think of one, they just said it was psychological. But in 1952, when Captain Edward Ruppelt uh, began Project Blue Book, he did a very serious study, uh, at that point, we had 4,400 UFO reports, and 1,593 had been investigated. And of those, they attempted to assign them to different categories, prosaic explanations, such as uh, balloons, aircraft, astronomical bodies, hoaxes, insufficient data, etc. In the end, nearly 27% ended up falling into the true unknown category. And I want Stanton to talk about Blue Book Special Report number 14 because he does that so well. And that was the largest study ever done by the U.S. Air Force. Yeah, that was a remarkable document. I was so shocked when I found it at the University of California Berkeley Library. I'd already read 10 books on UFOs, and none of them had mentioned it. And there it turns up, a privately published version. Dr. Leon Davidson had gotten a copy of it and published it. And I was shocked. I mean, A, it was loaded with data, 
over 200 charts, tables, graphs, and maps. I was in data heaven. I like data. <laughs> uh, B, they didn't distribute the report. This was in 1955, I guess it was. Uh, instead, they just gave very wide distribution to a press release in October of 55. And they quoted the Secretary of the Air Force, Donald Quarles, whose name shall live in infamy as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, they quote him saying that, on the basis of this study, we believe that no objects such as those properly described as flying saucers have overflown the United States. Even the unknown 3% could have been identified as conventional phenomena or illusions if more complete observational data had been available. Well, that takes care of the problem. The only trouble was I had the report where they had that 3%. It was 21.5%. That's a long way from 3 In addition, uh, they had a category insufficient information. If there wasn't enough data available about a sighting, uh, it wasn't listed as an unknown. They're the only ones we're really interested in. It was listed as insufficient information. So that statement was wrong on two counts. In addition, it is interesting that they got away with something that the press didn't make a fuss about. They didn't give the title of the report. Surely if they had really said Blue Book Special Report 14, somebody would have said, hey, what happened to 1 through 13? We've never heard anything about them. Uh, that, that, you know, would have changed things, I think. And, of course, they didn't make copies available, and they didn't give the title, and they didn't say who did the work. <laughs> but Tell Memorial Institute's connection with the Air Force Intelligence uh, Foreign Technology Division was classified, and they got away with it. You know, where was the press? Why don't you ask, hey, who did this work? You're, you're telling this this was such a wonderful study. Uh, so that made me angry. It, it really, I, I was... Why shouldn't we have more information here? I was determined to find out more, and i um, that's one of the reasons I joined NICAP and APRO, the two major groups back then, um, was because I was angry that we're, we're being lied to, misrepresented to. Uh, and so Blue Book Special Report 14, and I still have copies available. I'm the only one who does, I think, that you can get. Uh, it's listed on my website. Uh, it's chock full of data. They did something else, too, that's important here. They they said, is there really any difference between the unknowns, this group over here, the good stuff, and all the rest? Maybe we just goofed and these unknowns are really knowns, but we missed the boat. So they did a chi-square statistical analysis. Any mathematicians out there know what it is. But the point is, you look at... Uh, obvious characteristics, parent size, color, shape, speed, that sort of thing, and see if the two groups match. All right, we've got to take a bit of a cliffhanger here. We have to take our final break. Stanton T. Friedman, www.stantonfriedman.com, and Kathleen Martin, www.kathleen-martin.com. Two special guests on this very special two-hour special edition of the Exxon. We'll be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up this hour. Don't go away. Are you curious? Do you want to learn more about how the world works and have fun at the same time? Study coincidences with me, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, on my Connecting with Coincidence radio show here on the XZBN network. Listen to Jungians theorize, statisticians randomize, true believers evangelize, while I categorize. I dance to the rhythm of coincidences. People who experience me see more of them. Maybe something on the show matches a thought in your mind. Let us know. Expand your mind to the weirdness happening around you. Synchronicity spoken here, there, and everywhere. For more information, put Connecting with Coincidence in your search engine and find my website, my social media sites, and my blog.
This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. All right, Exonation. Uh, when we last left the uh, the show on the other side of the break we just took, Stanton Friedman was in data heaven because he had graphs, he had charts. And uh, Stanton, tell us what your opinion of the entire report was. Well, it's Project Blue Book Special Report 14 is the biggest study ever done on UFOs for the government or anybody else, as far as I know. Covered more cases, and it was an awful lot of good work in there. Uh, they ask some sensible questions, like, is there any difference between the unknowns and the knowns? And the answer is, yes, there is. The unknowns are different. So it, it was a milestone. But it's amazing how rarely it is mentioned by the debunkers. It's as if it didn't exist. Uh, look, Carl Sagan, we were classmates for three years, so I don't consider him a debunker. He was a friend uh, at the University of Chicago, that was. Uh, he said there are interesting sightings that aren't reliable, and that, which is true. And there are some reliable sightings mm-hmm. that aren't interesting, but which is also true. But then he said, but there are no interesting and reliable sightings, cases that are both reliable and interesting. That's totally wrong. Uh, 
how did he get away with saying that? He didn't give any reference. And we find that consistently that the debunkers uh, are in la-la land, if you will. They keep making claims that are that are baloney. And, you know, they ask the wrong questions. Uh, isn't it true that most sightings can be explained? Yes, it certainly is. So what? It is also true that there are many things, like uh, the amount of uranium. Uranium-235 is the useful isotope. Seven-tenths of one percent. Shouldn't we just say, oh, that's not worth talking about? No, we say we spend a lot of money. World War II built a mile-long facility to separate the U-235 from the U-238, and we were using 5% of all the electricity produced in the United States. Mm. So the fact that it's a small amount doesn't mean it's not worth dealing with. But there's something else that's happened that, that's changed in, in our lifetimes. Even though I'm older than you two, uh, I'll say our <laughs> lifetime. <laughs> um, and that is when Frank Drake was talking about uh, SETI, silly effort to investigate, you know, mm -hmm. SETI, search for extraterrestrial intelligence, supposedly. There might be 8,000 places that could be sending us signals. Well, there might be, I suppose. But now the number, thanks to the Kepler satellite, and the measurements made from space, we're talking billions of planets. And just to bring it home a little closer, uh, within 100 light years of here, and the galaxy's 100,000 light years across or so, uh, but within just 100 light years of here, there are 10,000 stars. The latest data suggests that the number of planets per star is between 1 and 1 1.6. So within a mere 100 light years, there's between 10,000 and 16,000 planets. That, that's an enormous number by comparison to what we used to think. And uh, unfortunately, what it does is it downgrades us, doesn't it? I mean, it, you know, we're, we're not on top of the heap. At least it's hard to imagine if you say that the, um, the universe is at least 13 billion years old uh, and that there are planets all over the place out there, it's hard to think that we're the most advanced beings around. We haven't been around that long. We haven't done that much. We've made a heck of a mess. So our perspective, there were people who would have said 60 years ago that, uh, well, this is the only solar system, and we have the only planet that's got a lot of water on it, and so we're it. We're the big cheeses of the neighborhood, big neighborhood universe and you don't hear that much anymore i don't get people telling me oh surely we're the only ones and as a matter of fact i get it in the reverse and i'm sure you do too kathy and rob yeah surely we're not the only ones around you know but with all this and, information stan that you and kathleen and other credible researchers have done why isn't mainstream media picking it up and saying, you know what, look at this new evidence. It's not new. It's been there. We just haven't been doing our oh, job. <laughs> you know? You know, it's a very good question. I think it means that we're not ready to change the, uh, what's the fancy word for the, the situation as it exists. We don't want to admit we've been, the government doesn't want to admit they've been lying for 70 years plus. I'll be in Roswell for the 70th anniversary. Kathleen will be there, too. Both of us will be there. Uh, 70 years, can you oh, imagine? And uh, incidentally, as an indication of the public interest, last year, the International UFO Museum and Research Center in Roswell was visited by 204,000 people, even though it's in the middle of nowhere, 200 miles from Albuquerque, 200 miles from Amarillo, 200 mm -hmm. miles from El Paso, and it's not on the way to anywhere. 204,000 people visited there. That's that's an impressive number to me. And I'm sure it's going to be crowded this year <laughs> because of the anniversary. So uh, why... Uh, there, there's an old uh, statement made by a scientist. Uh, new ideas come to be accepted, not because their opponents come to believe in them, 
but because their opponents die and new generation grows up that's accustomed to them ah. and i think that that's kind of where we are isn't it the old order changeth yielding place to new and I suppose that's a good thing. I just I hope I'm around long enough to see the, the conversion, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> Kathleen, do you think we'll have disclosure soon? I am very pessimistic about the idea that we might have disclosure soon. Unfortunately, I think there are too many uh, reasons why our governments of this world uh, are not giving us disclosure, although there has been limited disclosure by many nations. Uh, I think that when disclosure comes, it's going to come from the bottom up, where enough individuals around this planet will realize that this is real, and we will reach a tipping point where the government denial will mean nothing any longer. Why don't they just land on Parliament Hill, on the White House lawn, in front of Buckingham Palace, Red Square, and the list goes on? Why don't they? Well, they they know we know they're here. After you've been tracked on radar umpteen times, Mm -hmm. you know the other guy knows you're there. They don't consider us equals, I don't think. Should they? I I don't think they should. But once again, why don't they just make their presence known, undeniably known? They what, have. What's the benefit? They have shown themselves uh, to large populations of individuals, but why should they land on the White House lawn or uh, on any other government lawn? It might be perceived as an invasion. It it might uh, bring about uh, a military attack, and that uh, I don't believe is uh, something that they would like to see happen. All right, but if they are as intelligent as believers believe they are, would they not already know how the best way to make this approach would be and that they would do it in such a manner that it could not be misinterpreted as an alien attack but as a friendly gesture of communication? I don't make friends with the ants. Do you with the uncles? (laughs) <laughs> good line rob <laughs> you know I, it, no, there are so many questions it's a very complicated question yeah and i don't know how to answer it listen the time I don't is co- uh, well maybe by yeah. by letting people know where they can purchase your books and and where they can find you two coming up in in uh, appearances very shortly that we might be able to find people who have the answers who'd be glad to talk to you and give you the the extra ammunition for your guns. <laughs> I talked to a lot of experiencers who have received information, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm not positive that that is the answer. So let me see. Kathleen, your books are available on your website at www.kathleen-marden.com. And Stan, I know you are all over the place, including your website at www.stantonfriedman.com. What are your final right. thoughts, gang? We've got about a minute and 30 seconds. Kathy, you go first, ladies before gentlemen. Uh, well, I, I just want to say that it was a pleasure to be on your show again. I think that our book, Fact, Fiction, and Flying Saucers, answers many questions. We have done years of archival research mm-hmm. to put this book together. We have published information that has not been published elsewhere. So those who have read it have made statements uh, that... Uh, it was one person actually said it was the most important book that they had ever read on that topic. So I really appreciate that. And I want to say also that if you'd like to know where uh, I am going to be lecturing this year, if you'd like to read any articles on my website, if uh, you would like to purchase an autographed copy of any of my books, you can go to Kathleen-Marden.com. Stan, you've got about uh, 20 seconds, my friend. I'm sorry. Okay. You you can get my books and my articles at uh, www.stantonfriedman.com. And you can buy our stuff at Amazon, of course, but you don't get the autograph from Amazon. You get it from us. Everything we send out, we autograph. 
Stanton uh, and, and Kathleen, I hate to do this, buddy, but we've, we've run out of time. I want to thank you both again. Kathleen, always a great pleasure talking to you. Continued success. And Stan, thank you. what can I say about the perfection of you to the rest of the world that they don't already know? Stanton T. Friedman, take care of yourself, my friend. Be healthy. I'll be my back pleasure. on the other side of this break, Exxon Nation, as we continue on the other side of the news from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Mm-hmm.